Prison Journal of Stephen F. Austin, 1833-1835, Part 2, from the Texas Historical Association Quarterly, Volume 2, Number 3, January 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The general treated me with the greatest attention and delicacy, for which I am and always will be grateful. On the 4th we left Saltillo. I traveled in the coach with the general and his family. We slept at Los Muertos. The weather was very cold, the wind being very strong from the north. On the 5th we arrived at La Rinconada. On the 6th we arrived at Monterey. I was put in a very convenient and clean room with a guard at the door. My servant went out and came in when he pleased, and thus everything was furnished me. Nothing was wanted but liberty. On the 7th, Horatio Alsbury came to see me. I wrote to Don Luis de la Rosa, to Senator Rafael Llanos, to the governor of the state of Coahuila and Texas, to José María Viesca, to the chief of the department of Bechar, to Francisco Ruiz, to the Ayuntamiento of Austin, sending them, and to the governor and to the chief of the department, a copy of the answer of the minister concerning the petition of Texas to be a state. I sent a copy of my letter to the Ayuntamiento of Austin, to the governor and to the chief of department. I wrote to Williams and to Perry and to D. W. Smith Maramoros. I sent him a demand against the commissariat to collect 796.6 that Williams paid to the troops of Ugartechia and 57.3 belonging to James Ross, also a letter to D. J. Toller concerning the draft of Reynolds against Hubenstrick, instructing Smith to collect the whole of it and to send the first to Williams and the draft to W. S. Parrott in Mexico. Monterey, 20th January, 1834. I drew on D. W. Smith for $100 of Maramoros, which I received from V. Blank for my expenses to Mexico and left on this day. We slept at Santa Catarina, 21st at Los Muertos, the weather bad, with rain and hail. 22nd at Saltillo, 23rd Tanque de la Vaca, 24th Ventasa, 25th Salado, 26th Vanegas, 27th Guadalupe Cara, 28th Charcas, 29th Idionda, 30th Garapata, 31st San Luis, February 1st, 1834, remained at San Luis, 2nd Rodriguez, third San Bartola, four Francas, it rained the whole day, five Atotoxilco, S dash, a river, six Cerritos, a rancho, seven Querétaro, eight Ditto, nine San Juan de Rio, ten Arroyo Seco, eleven Tula, twelve Guantitlan, thirteen Mexico, where I was put in the Inquisition, shut up in the dark dungeon number 15, and not allowed communication with anyone. 
14th February, 1834. I heard cannon, which were fired at intervals all day, as funeral honors to Guerrero, who was shot on the 14th February, 1831. 15th, the visit of the prison today. I was permitted to walk with a sentinel in a yard alone to take exercise. I asked for books, but was not permitted to have any. In the dungeon number 15, ex-inquisition, 18th February, 1834, Lieutenant Colonel Jose Maria Bermuda notified me that my judge and attorney general were appointed. He lives in Santa Ines Street, number 1. 19th, the attorney came for me to sign an act. 20th, in order to understand the affairs of Texas and to explain them perfectly, it is only necessary to ascertain some very simple points. First, what means are most resorted to to move and influence the actions of mankind? It is interest. Second, is it or not the interest of Texas to separate herself, even if she were at liberty to do so? No, certainly it is not. Is it or not the interest of the United States of the North to acquire Texas? It is not because she would extend her territory too much, and, what is worse, she would annex a large district which would have no interest in common with the rest of the Republic. All the rivers of Texas take their rise in Texas, at but little distance from each other, and do not enter the territories of the North, so as to form bonds of union, as does the River Mississippi with Louisiana and other states adjacent. There is no market in the north for the produce of Texas, and there is in Mexico. Texas is more distant from the city of Washington than from the city of Mexico. As regards the commerce with Europe, the Mexican flag is equal to that of the north. What, then, is the true interest of Texas? It is to have a local government to cement and strengthen its union with Mexico instead of weakening or breaking it. What Texas wants is an organization of a local government, and it is of little consequence whether it be part of Coahuila or as a separate state or territory, provided the organization be a suitable one. She is at this time suffering in the departments of, first, justice, second, colonization, third, Indian, fourth, police, and internal improvements, in fine, in every department. 22nd February, 1834. Nothing more of the attorney since the 19th. What a horrible punishment is solitary confinement, shut up in a dungeon, with scarcely light enough to distinguish anything. If I were a criminal, it would be another thing, but I am not one. I have been ensnared and precipitated, but my intentions were pure and correct. I desired to cement the union of Texas with Mexico, and to promote the welfare and advancement of my adopted country by populating the northern and eastern frontier. I have been impatient, and have allowed myself to be compromised and ensnared by the political events of last year and by the excitement caused by them in Texas. 
I do not see how I could have avoided what has passed in Texas. My conscience acquits me of anything wrong except impatience and imprudence. I am in no sense criminal. A public agent should sacrifice himself, life and property, should it become necessary in order to carry out the views of his constituents. I perhaps have followed this rule to an extreme. Sunday, 23rd February, 1838. Footnote. This date is an evident slip of the copyist's pen. End footnote. Philanthropy is but another name for trouble. I have labored with pure intentions to benefit others and especially to advance and improve my adopted country. And what have I gained? Enemies, persecution, imprisonment, accused of ingratitude to Mexico, which is the most unjust of all accusations that can possibly be brought against me. If I have been ungrateful to anyone, it is to myself and family, for I have neglected my and their interests and happiness to labor for others. My poor sister, who removed to the wilderness of Texas with her large family, owing to my solicitations, and left a comfortable home and a large circle of warm and kind friends. My poor sister, how much is she now suffering on my account? How happy I could have been on a farm alongside of my brother-in-law, far from all the cares and difficulties that now surround me. But I thought it was my duty to obey the call of the people and go to Mexico as their agent. I have sacrificed myself to serve them, and in all probability the only return I shall receive will be abuse and ingratitude. It is horrible that I should have lived to find myself on the verge of misanthropy, soured and disgusted with mankind. My difficulties have proceeded from an excess of zeal to serve others, but I shall be calumniated by them. Although I have loved the whole human family with the most unbounded enthusiasm and confidence, I have been impatient and consequently imprudent but not criminal in anything. My conscience is clear, but that will not save me from calumny and misconstruction. Nature gave me too much sensibility and too yielding a disposition, too ready to listen to and be influenced by those who I believed were friends and honest men, and too sensible and tender at their censure and discontent. The heart of a public man should be made of cold and hard materials and not of the fine and delicate cords of sensibility. He should be impervious to momentary impulse, passion, or impatience. I am naturally impatient and irritable. 23rd February. Mr. Bermudor came to notify me that my cause was taken from him and that he was no longer my attorney. I was visited by Padre Muldoon, who had with great difficulty obtained this privilege. He was allowed to speak to me only in Spanish and in presence of the commandant of the prison, manifesting his friendship, etc. I permitted him to make a bargain with some tavern keeper for my meals, which he did, and sent me wine and cheese. He promised 
to send me books. 24th. I received my food according to Muldoon's promise, but no books. I supposed he had not been permitted to send them. Time drags on heavily. 25th. The new attorney general came to notify me of his appointment. He did not leave his name or residence. February 16, Dungeon Number 15, Ex-Inquisition, San Domingo Street. A diagram. A. Yards. E. Entrance. B. Ditto. Small circles. Staircases. P. Pilar, or Fountain of Water. T. Trees in the Yard. The building behind the yard, A.P., is one story high. All the rest is two stories. The walls of my cell, number 15, have a number of figures of snakes, landscapes, etc., drawn by a prisoner of the Inquisition more than 60 years ago. 27th February. Theory and practice have clearly demonstrated that the Mexican Republic will not make rapid progress until she has other exports than gold and silver, because these metals disappear immediately to pay for the imports, and what is worse, agriculture and the arts do not flourish, and a very many useful laborers without employment deliver themselves up to vices and to idleness. It is necessary to stimulate agriculture and the exportation of its products, on the coast, where the transportation to the ports is not distant or costly, nothing more is wanted but labor, population, and capital well directed in the cultivation of the land. In the interior, there is sufficient population, but without being well directed, and transportation is difficult and costly, as it always must be, on backs of beasts of burden and until they improve and open roads for wagons instead of roads for mules, nature has pointed out the ports for exportation. Veracruz, Tampico, and Maramoros are the most important. There are but few navigable rivers, but up to this time no use or profit has been derived from those which are navigable. The river Alvarado is navigable for a considerable distance in the interior, and may be very useful for the exports of an extensive and fertile country. From the head of navigation on this river, wagon roads might be opened to the states of Puebla and Oaxaca, and the produce could be exported at a trifling expense to that which is paid at this time. Thus Alvarado would be a depot, and thence the produce would be carried to Veracruz by steamboats and schooners, the capability of this river for navigation is not yet known, and it is worthy the attention of government to send experienced engineers to examine and explore it, and also the best routes for carriage roads to the interior. The river Panuco is another which will one day be very important to the most interesting part of the Republic. It is, I say, worthy the earliest attention of the government to examine the capability of this river for navigation and the practicability of roads from the head of navigation to Querétaro, San Luis Potosí, and Mexico through the plains of Apam. With a good road to Querétaro, all the Bajío of the rich state of Guanajuato 
would have great facilities to export the products of agriculture. The Rio Grande is another important channel, and in time of high water would serve to export the produce as far as Chihuahua. In the south there is the river of Guaracualco and of Tabasco navigable. Also on the coast of the Pacific there are some rivers which are navigable or susceptible of important improvements. The idea that the interior of Mexico is without resources for transportation to the coast is erroneous, as experience will one day demonstrate. They ought to dedicate themselves to opening roads on McAdams plan from Mexico to Veracruz, from the same to Acapulco, to San Luis Potosí through Querétaro to the head of navigation on Panuco River, and from that point to Querétaro and San Luis, extending the former to as far as Guadalajara and the latter to Zacatecas. Roads from the head of navigation on Alvarado River as far as Puebla and Oaxaca. All these roads should be carriage roads, and when finished they should proceed to open lateral roads to intersect the principal ones. A road from the ports of Texas to the Paso del Norte and New Mexico, with the object of attracting the commerce of $2 million annually to the ports and territory of the Republic, which now comes from Missouri, this commerce would be a very strong chain to bind Texas to the Federation, and all the expenses, etc., abrogated by the merchants for the transportation of merchandise would be made to the Mexican territory and would result to the benefit of the Mexicans. March 2nd, 1834. I obtained today a book, a tale called Yes and No. Muldoon failed in his promise to send me books. I prefer bread and water with books to the best of eating without them. In a dungeon, the mind and thoughts require aliment more than the body. March 4th. Four dollars were paid to me for my support, the only money I have received since my entrance. 13th. At half past ten at night, there was a very severe earthquake. March 15th. At six in the morning, an earthquake more severe than the other. March 16th, Sunday. I received la historia de Felipe dos Roy de España, an unnaturalized brute, a devil, a monster, in fine, as much as can be expressed or imagined of evil, of hypocrisy, and of cruelty. He was a blind, obedient, and faithful servant of Rome, that mother of executioners, assassins, robbers, and tyrants, who have desolated the civilized world, filling it with mourning, terror, and ruin, and degrading mankind far below the level of brutes. A lion protects its offspring, but Philip, the second Catholic king of Spain, is the executioner of his own son, the unfortunate Don Carlos, who was delivered by his most Christian father's own hands to the inquisitors, and by these holy agents of Rome condemned to death. The brute of a father said to the inquisitors, quote, Have no regard to the rank which the prince holds in the state. Do your duty, and know that zeal for religion has stifled all paternal love in me. End quote. 
At the moment of signing the sentence of death against his son, he said, directing himself to God, quote, You know, Lord, I have no other motive than sustaining your interests and the glory of your holy name. End quote. Is it possible to believe that mankind have been able to look upon such beasts as the representatives of God on the earth, kings and rulers, executioners of innocent children, robbers, all by divine providence, and to sustain the interests and glory of God. The massacre of St. Bartholomew on the 24th August 1572 in France, in which more than 70,000 Frenchmen perished, treacherously assassinated by order of the king, Charles IX, was an act very worthy of Rome and very characteristic of the kind of piety which governed the councils of the conclave of St. Peter. People of Mexico, can you throw a glance at the history of Rome without feeling a pity for your ancestors and without shaking off at once that religious yoke which has held and to this day holds you enslaved? Can ye contemplate this edifice, this inquisition, and call to your memories what has passed within its walls under the name of religion without shuddering at the past? and making an effort in favor of religious toleration, so that ye may secure your liberties and safety for the future. The Inquisition was established in Mexico and in Lima by Philip II in 1573, and the first auto da fe in Mexico was in 1574. March 17th. I walked for half an hour in the court where they tell me the autos da fe were held, that is, where they burned the unfortunate, whom policy or robbery assassinated under the name of religion. Fanaticism furnishes a cloak for everything, and is the same with all nations and religions. Elizabeth, Protestant Queen of England, sacrificed her relation, Mary of Scotland, to prevent a Catholic sovereign ascending the throne and at the time of the unhappy queen's head being taken off, they shouted, quote, Thus perish the enemies of the religion of Christ. End quote. All this was a cloak, and nothing more, because the crime of Mary consisted in being beautiful and beloved by everyone, and Elizabeth made use of the cloak of religion and policy to cover her own envy and to gratify it. At the same time, Philip II was kindling the fires of the autos de fe under the pretext of religion in order to rob and to sustain his despotic power. March 19th. For the national aggrandizement of the Mexican Republic are required, first, religious toleration, second, foreign emigration, third, protection of agriculture, in order to have a surplus of agricultural products so as to pay for importations, and thus avoid the export of the entire products of the mines, which at this time is leaving the country for the purchase of foreign merchandise. Fourth, the improvement of the navigation of all the rivers and the opening of carriage roads from the last navigable point on them to the interior. Fifth, the establishment of manufactories, 
but this ought to be the last step in the national progress. Manufactories ought to be established after agriculture and with a dense population. Without these bases, they can neither be useful nor profitable, except by force of restrictions, privileges, and monopolies, which are always prejudicial to the people or the great mass of the nation. March 20th. This day I was notified by a person from the Commandant General that I must return the $20 that I had received, because I ought to receive my daily allowance from another quarter. But he did not say from what quarter or authority. I returned the $20, received March 4th, $4, 9th, $4, 12th, $4, 16th, $4, 20th, $4, total $20. This day I also sent away my servant, Medina, and ceased to receive my meals from Offutz. 22nd. Sergeant Agustin Gonzalez presented himself in my dungeon on the part of the commandant of the place, Don Domingo Sarmiento, requested the loan of $30, which I lent to the said commandant. I also lent 10 to the said Sergeant Gonzalez. Expenses. To Medina, four dollars, book, one dollar, barber, Chile, zero point three and a half, thirteenth March, Medina, six, washerwoman, point three, twentieth, Medina, five, twenty second, lent to the commandant, thirty, lent to the sergeant, ten, brought forward from daily expenses to twenty sixth March. 17.9 and one-half. Table and chair, two. From 26th March to 3rd April, six. 4th April. I returned to the person who has paid me the $20 which I had received from him. He awoke me from a profound sleep. April 4th, 1834. I received $18 from Don Vitor Blanco, Lent. Expenses from 3rd to 11th April, $4.7. 11th April. I commenced receiving my breakfast and dinner from Mr. Offutt, number 7, Tiburcio Street. 12th April. It would be an injury to the United States of the North to unite Texas to themselves, or to see it made a state of the Mexican Federation. First, because it would be extending too much territory of that republic, receiving within its limits a country which is entirely isolated from all the other states by its geographical situation, and by all the interests of agriculture, manufactures, and commerce. Second, because Texas as a state would flourish with rapidity and would extend the planting of cotton throughout that country, and thence along the whole coast of the Mexican Gulf, to so great a degree that it would tend to reduce the price of that product in the European markets. It would also extend the manufacture of cotton cloth. The evident result of this would be to injure all the states south of Virginia, whose chief produce and almost the only one which is valuable is cotton, the sugar and rice of the Mexican states on the Gulf of Mexico would also compete with the sugar of Louisiana and the rice of Georgia and Carolina. 
on the other hand the progress of texas would promote the power of the mexican nation to a great degree by the increase of their physical force their agriculture their manufactures and of which is of more importance than all their exports of produce avoiding thereby the extraction of metals from the mines the erection of texas to a state of the mexican republic in a very few years would cause a moral change of the greatest importance in favor of the mexican states and to the prejudice of the united states of the north and would even have an influence in the markets of europe by reducing the price of cotton and by the gradual increase of manufactories in the mexican territory april thirteenth in my first exploring trip in texas in eighteen twenty one i had a very good old man with me who had been raised on the frontiers and was a first-rate hunter we had not been many days in the wilderness before he told me quote, you are too impatient to make a hunter end quote scarcely a day passed that he did not say to me quote, you are too impatient you wish to go too fast i was so once but fifty years experience has learnt me that there is nothing in this world like patience End quote. before my trip was ended i saw the benefit of his maxim and i determined to adopt it as a rule in settling the colony which i was then about to commence in texas some have accused me of adhering to this rule and to a system of conciliation and mildness with too much obstinacy i do not think i have though perhaps i am not a competent judge i can however say that i believe the greatest error i ever committed was in departing from that rule as i did in the city of mexico in october eighteen thirty three i lost patience at the delays in getting the business of the people of texas dispatched and in a moment of impatience wrote an imprudent and perhaps an intemperate letter to the ayuntamiento of bechar dated second of october eighteen thirty three i can say with truth that a combination of circumstances occurred about that time to make me impatient and my intentions were pure and patriotic as a mexican citizen for i had every reason to believe that the people of texas would not suffer the month of november to pass without organizing a local government and in that event it is very evident that it would have been much better to organize by a harmonious consultation of the respective local civil authorities of the municipalities called ayuntamientos than by a popular commotion without the intervention of any recognized legal existing authority the circumstances of the case and the purity of my motives are certainly worthy of consideration texas when i left in eighteen thirty three was almost in a state of nature as to its local government it was in danger of anarchy on the one hand and of being destroyed by the uncivilized and hostile indians on the other these things oppressed me and i may have lost patience quote, the inestimable value of the liberty of the press would not be known if it were not evident that with it nothing is to be feared from any arbitrary power 
End quote. Political evils of society are like bad habits in individuals, easy to cure in their birth or origin, but very difficult when they have taken deep root. The political evils of Texas are in their birth and easy to cure by a proper organization of the local government. Quote, People in office do more wrong by the foolish things they say than by the foolish acts they commit. End quote. So said There, minister of Louis XV, on the accession of Louis XVI. The fable of Prometheus, whose heart was devoured every day by a vulture, being renewed at night for the horrible feast of the day following, represents the imaginary sufferings of mankind. We arise in the morning filled with projects, desires, and occupations which destroy our felicity, like the vulture eating the heart of Prometheus. At night we throw ourselves into bed tired out and miserable, solely that our natures may recover strength to sustain the miseries of the following day. What madness! What folly it is to permit our thoughts to be converted into the vulture of Prometheus! How to avoid it! Limiting ourselves to what is necessary, to what is substantial, and enjoying life as it comes, without thinking or troubling ourselves about that which we do not possess, or which does not concern us, nor about what may happen hereafter. Very well, according to this, man would become a being mentally torpid that would only exist to breathe, eat, and sleep. An animal. Well, what remedy is there then? The remedy is found in conducting ourselves justly, prudently, and rationally between an extreme of cares and an extreme of torpidity. What rule is there to ascertain this? When we find ourselves restless and the head or passions excited for any project or idea, to analyze it, applying to it these questions, is it just? Is it practicable? Is it necessary? What benefit will result to our fellow men or to ourselves? What may be the immediate or future consequences of it? Well, according to this, we should never act mentally or physically unless justice, reason, and judgment, previous examination, and mature analysis should qualify as just, practicable, necessary, etc., whatever we think of doing. And we should never act with impatience, impulse, or passion. Yes, so it is. And how many men act thus? Very few. Perhaps none. Unfortunately, the duty and the acts of mankind in general are like the religion of Rome, in theory divine, in practice infernal. How can this be said of a religion whose foundation is perfect harmony, a union of principles and of action? Because the history and conduct of Rome demonstrate it. From the time her first bishop usurped from the other bishops the right of governing their respective dioceses, as to spiritual matters, the power of the Pope originated from usurpation and not from divine creation, and in order not to deviate from the principles of its origin, the pontiffs have gone on usurping and robbing from that time to the present, 
adding temporal or regal powers as if it were possible that God or divine and spiritual things could be divine, perfect, pure, and immortal, and at the same time human, imperfect, corrupt, tangible, sensual, and mortal, thus uniting a contradiction which is palpable, monstrous, and subversive to the foundation of the religion of Christ, which foundation is purity. How can purity exist in unity with the passions, interests, and corruptions of temporal or human things? That which is pure, perfect, and immortal cannot be united with that which is impure, imperfect, and mortal, and form a compound body, thing, or essence, without changing its nature or original principles, as, for example, white cannot be mixed with black and always remain white. Nevertheless, mankind have seen the pure white of the religion of Christ mixed by Rome with the black passions and human things without being aware that in this union the white has disappeared and the black has predominated. What blindness, what prejudice, what ignorance! Those who are in favor of religious intolerance and of the temporal power of the clergy have not analyzed their thoughts by the rule before mentioned, nor by any other rule except that of their private interest of despotism, injustice, robbery, and usurpation, or by ignorance unworthy of civilized men. In the Dungeon, 20th April, 1834 Footnote this date evidently refers back. End footnote. April 26th, 1834. I obtained two volumes of the Ouvre de Plato, traduit pour Victor Cousin. 27th April. Political Philosophy. The people, or I should say the patriots of Mexico, conceived, put in execution, and are perfecting the most difficult grand and noble work which has been known or seen in the world since the days of adam the establishment of a system of government popular liberal and free in a country where the customs and opinions of the people are diametrically opposed and repugnant to such a system a work more worthy divine power than of human debility Political writers have set it down as a dogma or axiom that in the formation of governments a natural course of things should be followed. What they call the natural course of things is that government should be constructed according to the customs, prejudices, and existing ideas of the great mass of the people, and that it would be unnatural, forcible, and dangerous to attempt to regulate or accommodate these customs, prejudices, and ideas to a system to which the people are repugnant and opposed. Up to this time, we have seen mankind, who had to organize themselves, follow the natural course spoken of by the political writers and philosophers, and Mexico alone has the glory of having demonstrated the contrary and of proving that the genuine principles of liberty and of truth are of divine origin, and as such are stronger than the customs and erroneous ideas which are of human origin, and therefore that the first principles are of more value, even in the abstract, 
then the second notwithstanding the last are rooted and fortified by the practice of centuries the united states of the north have the glory of having demonstrated the practicability and advantage of a popular system for a people whose customs and opinions were prepared beforehand for that system this was a grand step which excited the admiration of the civilized world and caused the thrones and gothic institutions of europe to tremble mexico has the glory of having done much more and has gone beyond the people of the north in having demonstrated that the principles of truth and liberty in the abstract or of themselves are essentially more strong than the prejudices and erroneous customs and that the latter may be destroyed notwithstanding the force which they derive from the practice of centuries or from the veneration which their great antiquity may attract for them what a flattering lesson is this for oppressed nations and how fearful a one for the tyrants of europe they with the pope falsely called the most holy at their head sustain that their power is of divine origin and that it is necessary to exercise it on the people because they cannot govern themselves it may be as some say because they are naturally degraded and cannot pass above the level of slaves or it may be as others say because their manners and customs are so bad that they cannot enjoy freedom without injury to themselves like children with a penknife mexico answers this denying that despotism and usurpation have such a divine origin on the contrary that their origin is human and therefore must yield to that which is truly divine or to principles of liberty and truth these principles find a sympathy a reception and a natural and instinctive or spontaneous protection in that part of man which has equally a divine origin that is to say in the soul because both spring from the same source which is divine and consequently stronger than human inventions and things and must prevail if this power of kings and of other despots is of divine origin it should not perish or be weakened because otherwise we must admit that the works of providence are mortal and perishable april twenty nine today padre muldoon came to visit me by permission of president santa ana and so i knew that the president had returned to mexico six days ago i did not know it before i know nothing of what passes outside no one is allowed to speak to me nor am i with anybody i am incomunicadissimo what a system of jurisprudence is this of confining those accused or suspected without permitting them to take any steps to make manifest their innocence or to procure proofs for their trial they can neither consult with counsel lawyer friend or anybody i do not know of what i am accused how can i prepare my defense perhaps i will have to send to texas for proofs of my innocence how can i do so being shut up and incommunicated this system may be in conformity with law but i am ignorant of which law or of what rights the party accused has but it is very certain that such a system is in no wise in conformity with justice reason or common sense 
Mail from Nagadoches to River Sabine at Gaines Ferry every two weeks, 20 leagues distant. This mail ought to arrive from the Sabine at Nagadoches the day before the mail leaves that place for Bechar. I recommend James Gaines as postmaster on the Sabine. He is a Mexican citizen since the year 1820, married to a Mexican, and understands the English and Spanish languages, and has a house and property on the river Sabine, sufficient to live with comfort. The mail from the U.S. of the north arrives at the Sabine in front of Gaines' house, so that it will be very easy to change the correspondence at that point, and so establish a communication by mail from all places in Mexico with every place in the United States of the North. For the said exchange, all that is necessary is that the government of the North should be advised through their charge here of the desire of this government to change the correspondence on the Sabine. The postage on letters and papers on each side should be paid to the line, and after passing should pay such postage as is required by the laws of the respective republics. End of Prison Journal of Stephen F. Austin, 1833-1835, Part 2, from the Texas Historical Association Quarterly, Volume 2, Number 3, January 1899, read for LibriVox by Sue Anderson.